Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you. It's good to be with you this morning. Real good. You know what I've decided? Uh, last week we talked about the church's meatloaf. I don't know if any of you were here for that. If you weren't, I talked about the church's meatloaf. And this last week, I got lots of text messages. People are like, hey, guess what we're having for dinner? Meatloaf. Hey, hey, I was down in the cafeteria. Guess what they were serving? Meatloaf. So I've decided for the harvest celebration dinner that you've just talked that you've just heard Jed talk about, no more turkey. It's meatloaf. Meatloaf for the harvest dinner. I mean, come on, what says thank you more than meatloaf, right? I'm telling you, you guys will never see meatloaf the same again, ever. So just keeping with the idea of food analogies to begin sermons, I I wanted to talk this morning about cookies. I have a weakness. (laughs) That too. I love cookies. Like, you know, I mean, if there's a pie, I'll probably have a piece. But if there's cookies, I must have. Right? Like, I don't know what it is about cookies, especially, come on now, if they're warm, if they're sitting on a rack and they've just come out of the, I mean, these are almost irresistible. I mean, a pie, it's a pie. A cake, definitely I can refuse. But a warm, gooey, soft cookie, I mean, it's a weakness. I think that I enjoy cookies the way I do because like, when I was a kid, my mom, we would uh, make up the, the cookie dough. I mean, we would mix it in a big bowl. And, uh, and, and in addition to, like, taking handfuls and eating it while cooking, um, you know, it was the smell of what was going on in the house. And, and I'm here to tell you that when my mom made cookies, they weren't perfectly round. And they were kind of oblong a little bit. Now, mom, if you're watching this online, it was all good, okay? But I loved just the little different shapes that these cookies would take as they kind of melted on the cookie sheet. And then you'd, you'd take them out and you'd eat them as they came out of the oven and sat on the rack. And it got me thinking this week about the church and our ministry and kingdom workers. As, as, as we look at kingdom workers and the kind of workers that God's calling into ministry, it really just got me thinking, if God is calling kingdom workers, if God is transforming sinners to be saints, if He is taking and He is changing people from something old to something new, if He's taking them from people who are in rebellion against Him to people that are holy and living for Him, then, then is God baking disciples? And when He does that, Is he using an ice cream scoop or a cookie cutter? Because I'll tell you, in my house growing up, it was not done with a cookie cutter. It was done with a spoon 
or an ice cream scoop? And I just wonder, those little stray edges, the little edge that it had based on that, how they were transformed on that cookie sheet, I'm just wondering with you out loud this morning, uh, which one does God use? Is He a cookie cutter or an ice cream scoop? Is God like a hand-dipped kind of God? Or is He like a machine-poured kind of God? I mean, is He like Baskin-Robbins or Chips Ahoy? That's what I'm curious about this morning. When God takes sinners and creates saints, and when He calls disciples and followers to come in to be kingdom workers, what kind of external mold does He use? Now, there are two kind of molds that we have to get through. The first mold we talked about last week. There's an internal mold that, that God expects of every single disciple. Anybody he's, he's ever changed, anybody he's, he's ever called, uh, He's called them to an internal mold that has a distinct shape. And that internal mold is of the cross. It's of Jesus Himself. It's of disciples. And you said it last week. You repeated it with me. That gave everything. Do you remember that? I said, uh, hey, uh, what is it that the disciple will give? Will they give up their dreams? Will they sacrifice? And you said they'd give up everything. You repeated that with me. Do you remember that? And as I was coming up, I said, uh, I said to my family, I said, hey, how did first service go? And my wife said, yeah, I went pretty good. And then my daughter leans over and she says, you need to tell the story about everything. And I said, what story? She said, you gave everything this week. Don't you remember? And so I'm going to tell the story. So this last week, God was shaping that internal mold in me where I was willing to give everything, where I was saying, I'll give up all my rights. And it came in the form of the slam kids. So the slam kids, this, is their, this was their goodbye to me. I gave up everything, everything for them, really. All of my pride was sitting there right there on a puddle. So they had me sit down, and they put a black bag over me with a little hole in the top, and they brought out a cart. And there were, now get this, get this, there were 14 plates filled with whipped cream. Gang, there were 14 plates! When God calls us, when God asks us to follow Him, when He's taking sinners and making them saints, when He's saying, you're no longer in rebellion and now you're going to be called holy ones, he said, you're going to have to give up everything and I want that internal mold to be the same for every disciple. You're going to have to give up everything. You're going to have to take the cross. Uh, you're going to have to die to self. That's that internal mold that everybody has to take. So if the internal mold has been settled, if we know that everyone has to have the same internal mold, that of Jesus, then what's the external mold? What's the external casing uh, what's the external frame uh, that God would have us squeeze into? Well, this morning Jesus is talking to His disciples. 
He's actually going to begin to teach them. And He is teaching them, uh, carrying on what we talked about last week, He is teaching them in order that they might become workers in His harvest field. And as they become workers in His harvest field, He is giving them authority to go out and do the things that He has done. And He gives us a real big clue as to answering this question that we have on our minds. What's this external mold? Is Jesus, is God, when He calls disciples, what kind of instrument is he using? Is it a cookie cutter or an ice cream scoop? And Matthew names the disciples, and as we look at their exterior molds, we get a good idea of the answer that Jesus gives. So open up your Bibles with me. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is talking to these disciples, and he names them. Matthew chapter 10. So if you don't have a Bible, get one. Grab one. There's Bibles in front of you. Matthew chapter 10. Get it out on your phone and enjoy the Word of God together. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is calling the disciples to be kingdom workers. We talked last week about that kind of worker, that internal mold. And now we look at the exteriors. Now we look at each one of the disciples and Matthew decides to name the twelve disciples. But as Jesus is talking to them, He names them. So we're going to look at that. Look at with me verse 1. And Jesus called His twelve disciples to Him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And these are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Him. And these twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or enter any of the towns of the Samaritans. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. And He gives them a message. And He says, I want you to go and proclaim this. Do the things that I've been doing. But it's this little piece right here when He names the disciples in verse 2. That's the piece I want to explore with you this morning. That's the piece that's going to answer the question that we're asking. How is it that, that God shapes us externally? Uh, what, what shape does He expect us to have? Does God use an ice cream scoop or a cookie cutter? Let's look at these disciples. The first, Simon who is called Peter. Let's stop there for a moment. Anybody heard of Peter? Uh, most of us have heard of Peter in one form or another, and that's because uh, Peter probably has more written about him than any of the other disciples that were close to Jesus. And that's probably a testament in part to Peter's uh, character. You see, uh, Peter was that hard-charging, emotional leader. And Peter was the kind of guy that's probably going to speak a lot sooner than he thinks. Some of you know people like that. 
Jesus in his encounters with Peter often found this to be true of Peter. When Jesus, it was Peter that was like, boom, there he is. That was Peter. He did it first and then he thought about it later. It was Peter who, when uh, Jesus was with the disciples and, and Jesus asked a good question about, hey, who do people say that I am? It was Peter that just blurted out, well, you're the Christ, of course. It was Peter when Jesus began to say that he had to suffer and that he had, he had to uh, go and suffer and die and, and that three days later he was going to raise again. It was Peter that said, no, you're not going to do that. And then Jesus' response was, get behind me, Satan. It was Peter, the one, this emotional kind of extravagant personality. It was Peter, he was the one that said, I, I'm going to die for you, Jesus. And yet it was Peter uh, who, when it came down to it, when the rubber met the road, it was Peter, he was the one that denied Jesus. And here he is. Still in the Bible. Peter, Peter, extrovert. Uh, Peter, hard charging, emotional leader. There he is. His external form for everybody to see. Let's look at another one. There was his brother Andrew, but then look at these next two. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Now these two had a very distinct title to them. Do you know what that is? Uh, James and John, uh, they had kind of a term of endearment. It shows up in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark tells us uh, that there's a specific title that goes with these two. James and John, do you know what it is? The sons of thunder. Now, I don't know. I wasn't with Matthew. I wasn't with Mark when he, he, he used that phrase to talk about these two brothers. Uh, but I just wonder if that has something to do with who they were externally. Because these two brothers, James and John, they were the ones with Mama. Uh, they came to Jesus uh, knowing that Jesus was going to bring some great big kingdom. Uh, they were the ones that came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, so we think we're pretty good and we think that we deserve to sit at your right and your left. Uh, we think that we're good enough to be in your cabinet. Uh, we think that uh, you ought to uh, choose us us to sit in seats of honor when your kingdom is established. What do you say? And this is James and John. And they're the ones that are hanging out with Jesus. Uh, look at their external form. Uh, don't you suppose uh, that when Mark and Jesus call them sons of thunder, that it has something to do with their temperament? And isn't it interesting that John... That John is the one that gives us the Gospel of John? Now, some of you know this, and some of you may not, but there are four Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then there's John. And John, uh, this apostle, this disciple right here, uh, he shows perfectionist tendencies when you get into his Gospel. And not just perfectionist tendencies, he's very different. He's decided that I'm not going to write the way Matthew, Mark, and Luke did. I'm going to write it entirely differently. 
I'm going to write it maybe from a back curtain sort of view. I'm going to write it so that you know who Jesus is in a real godly sort of way. I'm not just going to walk the steps that Jesus walked. I'm going to give you some spiritual insight that you may not have otherwise. And he begins to put things together with the life of Jesus that we quite frankly wouldn't have if all we had was Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's John. And we begin to get a very clear picture of the exterior frame of these two disciples, James and John. And it's a little bit different than what we get with Peter. But keep going. There's Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas, oh Thomas, poor Thomas, he kind of gets a bad rap. Uh, But let's look at Thomas. Uh, uh, Many people know this. Uh, We call Thomas what? Doubting Thomas. And we call him Doubting Thomas because after uh, Jesus had died, uh, even though there were other resurrection accounts and people were saying uh, that they had seen Jesus, Thomas was the one that was kind of like, I need to see the evidence. I mean, let's, let's look at Thomas for a moment. I mean, he was kind of like the CSI, right? I mean, he, he was the kind of thinker and he needed, uh, he needed some scientific proof. Show me Jesus. Uh, I need something that demonstrates who Jesus is. And you know what? When Jesus does appear to Thomas, he doesn't look at him and, and chastise him. He, he does say, I want you to reach out. I want you to touch my side. I want you to see. I want you to touch the scars in my wrists and my hands. He said, Thomas, I, I know your external frame. I understand how your mind works. You needed some evidence and I'm going to give it to you. That was Thomas. The very next one is Matthew. Uh, he's the tax collector. I think of Matthew, his external frame, the mold that he had fit into. Uh, he was a strategic thinker. Don't you suppose that in order to be a tax collector, you had to be a kind of a strategic thinker? You had to know what you were going to do and when you were going to do it because you had to live between two worlds. You had to live between a world of 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 politics and people. And you had to live right in the middle of all of those. And so he was very strategic with the moves that he made. And here we are, and we're reading his Gospel, aren't we, this morning? And if you were to look through, and we had time to walk through all of the pages of Matthew's Gospel, we would begin to see the strategy come out in Matthew. You see, Matthew, as a Gospel, is a Gospel written for the Jews. And if we were to read through all of Matthew, you would find that there were five definitive teaching parts of Matthew's entire Gospel. He segments it into five different parts. Do you know why he does that? He organizes it into five major teachings of Jesus so that the Jews would liken it, that they would parallel one thing to the the five things, the five teachings of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel to the five first books of the Bible that the Jews all taught, that many of them memorized, uh, so that they could identify Jesus as their Messiah. Do you get that? Matthew was a strategic thinker. 
He said, I'm going to have five major teachings of Jesus to, uh, to mirror what the Jews would have studied uh, so that you could see that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Do you get what I'm saying? Look at all these different disciples. And of course, the last one, Judas, it's kind of a mystery. The one who would betray, he's got a very different sort of external mold, doesn't he? And yet, Jesus called him all the same. So what does all of this mean? What does Jesus organizing each one of these individuals with very different external forms, very different external frames and cases, what does it mean? I think it means this. I think what God is saying to us is that for those who would be called to be kingdom workers in His harvest field, that God uses an ice cream scoop and not a cookie cutter. I think what Matthew is saying to us in regards to an external frame is he's saying uh, that God is a hand-dipped kind of God and not a machine-poured kind of God. I think what he's saying is that God is a Baskin-Robbins kind of God and not Chips Ahoy. I think what Matthew is saying, I think what God's Word is saying to us is that for those who would be kingdom workers for God, uh, for those that would become saints even though they were once sinners, that as God has transformed their life, there is no one external framework in which we all must fit. That the external frame that God anticipates is as different as the people that are sitting in this room. There's some implications to this. The first implication to this idea that, that God is an ice cream scoop kind of God and not a cookie cutter kind of God. Uh, the, the implication that that God is hand-dipped, that He hand-dips us instead of machine-pours us, the implication is that everyone is eligible for kingdom ministry. Everyone is able to become a kingdom worker. Everyone! Remember last week, uh, as we talked about that internal mold, that internal framework, uh, I had you repeat with me that we would give up everything, uh, that that's the kind of worker that God desires. That's that internal framework. And now, as we look at the external framework and recognize that, that God is an ice cream scoop kind of God, now it's time for us not to say everything, but everyone. Everyone is eligible to be a kingdom worker in kingdom ministry. So can you say that with me this morning? Everyone. Ready? Everyone. Oh, say it with me one more time. Everyone. Everyone. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Everyone. Everybody. The introvert and the extrovert. The strategic thinker and the rational thinker. Uh, the one who goes off on their own and the one uh, who will only go with the plan. Yeah. 
everyone, everybody, everybody that you've ever laid eyes on, the people in this room, the people outside of this room, uh, everybody with every disc analysis you could ever possibly imagine, uh, any strengths finders, uh, any personality inventory, God is a hand dipped, He's an ice cream scoop kind of God. That's the kind of God that we serve. And that means that everyone, everyone is eligible for kingdom ministry. Everyone is eligible uh, to become a kingdom worker because that's what God does when He takes sinners and makes them saints. There's an exterior mold and God says it's as different as the people in this room. I worked for many years at, the, at Nebraska Christian College with a a dear friend of mine. Uh, his name is Dr. Andrew Wood, and, and I uh, messaged Andrew this week, and I got his permission to share this with you. Andrew and I are about as different as any two people on this planet. I am an extrovert. I don't know if you know this about me. I expected a little more laughter there. Like, I thought that was funny. So, I'm an extrovert. I love being with you. I want to, to hang out with you. I get energy from just uh, being around you all. And then when I'm not with you, that's when I cry, right? That's where I'm like, oh, where's my people, right? Th this is me. That's me. That's me in a nutshell, okay? Andrew is not that. If it were up to Andrew... He would go into his office every day and he would sit down and he would love to not be with anybody but Andrew. And I would think, this is really strange. Like, how could you exist and not want to be around other people? And it wasn't just the introvert-extrovert thing. Like, how Andrew and I would go about doing things was just remarkably different. So let's say that you came to the college and you would come into my office and you would walk into my office and you would notice that I had things everywhere. I mean, if you looked at the top of my desk, most times uh, it was just covered in papers. I would tell people, hey, you know what? Albert Einstein had a really messy desk. And that was my desk. It was everywhere. I knew where most things were most of the time, but that's how things were with me. Now, if you were to go into Andrew's office, Andrew's office was pristine. I mean, there was nothing out of place in Andrew's office. Not a book, not a paper. I mean, Andrew is the kind of guy that he would uh, go, and some of you are like this, by the way. Uh, some of you, uh, just like Andrew, will go onto your computer and you will get on a calendar. And you will make an appointment for everything. You won't just hope that you got a sticky note and stuck it in your pocket or that you just remembered it. No, it's got to go on the calendar. And not only does it have to go on the calendar, it's got to have a color coat to it. Right? Like red means this and blue means that. Are you with me? This is Andrew Wood. There could not be any more two different people than me and Andrew. But you know what? Andrew has reached people, has talked to people about Jesus that I could never begin to imagine. There are people that Andrew has had an opportunity to encounter 
because He is who He is in His exterior frame that I would never be able to have a conversation with. And you know what? God is using us both. So there are, in this room, there are people who are older and of a different generation and you think differently about some things. And there are those of you who are younger and you think differently about some things. And there are differences between the two of you. And there are some who are introverted and some who are extroverted. And there are some of you... Well, your exterior, uh, the way you go about doing things, your frame is just simply different than the person that you're sitting next to. But you need to know you are eligible for kingdom ministry. Isn't it true that uh, some of you who are older and retired, maybe you can't do the things that you once wanted to do, but uh, you minister to people in ways that I could never. And you visit with them, uh, and you write cards to them uh, that, that minister, uh, that work for the kingdom of God, bringing good news to people in ways that I couldn't. And isn't it true that oftentimes there's a, there's a child, maybe eight, nine, or ten years old, and they get this wild hair to serve Jesus, and they decide that they're going to serve Jesus uh, by, by providing food for other people, and they began to, uh, to collect food from all the people that they know, and pretty soon it's on, it's on Facebook, and then it's on Twitter, and then the local news gets a hold of it, and pretty soon uh, there's ten or fifteen or twenty or a hundred different trucks that are full of food, and it all comes because uh, one eight, nine, or ten year old uh, had the vision to try and feed people. Uh, do you begin to see it? God is an ice cream scoop kind of God. And when He calls people and He asks us to, uh, to be molded, well, He's going to put us on the cookie sheet and He's going to melt us. And He's going to bake us. And we might have a stray edge. It's a little bit different than all the other cookies around us. We have a hand-dipped kind of God. So we have to understand that one of the implications is that everybody is eligible. If everybody's eligible, and if what I'm saying is true, then we have to be also be sure that if God is an ice cream scoop kind of God, and that the exterior frame that God works with is as diverse as the people in this room, then we have to be very careful about comparison. Because oftentimes, comparison is going to lead you either down a path of judgment or a path of disappointment. And it happened with Jesus. Actually, it happened with Jesus and another ministry leader. You see, John the Baptist, the one who was going to baptize Jesus, he had disciples too. He had people that were going to follow him. And on one occasion, just one chapter earlier, in that section where Jesus is preaching and teaching and healing, he has some of John's disciples come to him. And John's disciples are looking at the exterior of Jesus' ministry and what Jesus is doing. And they come to Jesus and say, well, how come you're not doing? what we do. 
So flip back with me, would you, in chapter 9, and hear this comparison. Then John's disciples came and asked him, that him is Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't? You hear the comparison? We're fasting. The Pharisees are fasting. The religious people are fasting. Uh, this is the exterior that we're used to, and you're not. And Jesus' answer is, because I have something new that you need. I want you to hear that there is a ministry that is filled with newness and you have to be willing to accept the exterior change. Uh, listen to what he says. Go down to verse 16. He uses images in order to say this. He says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment because the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins are going to burst. The wine's going to run out all over, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Jesus is getting at his ministry. He's saying, hey, I know that this external, exterior model, this frame that you're used to, this casing that you're used to, it's old. I'm going to take you in a new direction and I need you to trust that this new change is okay. Because when it's new, and that exterior is new, you just need to know, you need to come back to this idea. God uses ice cream scoops and not cookie cutters. This is my last Sunday. Did you know that Josh, Nink, and I are different? Did you know that? Did you know that there are differences that you will notice next week when Josh comes up to preach? Did you know that? Sure. And it's okay. But church, can I encourage you? Don't make the comparison. Because the moment that you do, it will lead you either to disappointment or to judgment. You know what? Josh has a really cool beard, and I do not. You know what? I know for a fact that Josh has a cool sword that he's going to keep in his office. I do not have a cool sword. Did you know that Josh can actually sing in a band and I only pretend to be able to sing in one? At church, can I encourage you not to look at two of us and begin to compare? Can I paint the scenario for you? Some of you have come and we've developed great friendships and relationships and and I've had the opportunity to come and share and preach and teach. And we've enjoyed one another. But Josh is going to do that in a different way. And the last thing that he needs, the last thing that Whiting Christian Church needs, is for you internally or externally to begin to say, 
Josh doesn't preach like Mike. Josh doesn't do that funny thing with his shoulder once in a while. He doesn't make faces like Mike make faces. He doesn't sing during his sermons. I know ministry. And over the years, we come close to one another. We, we intermingle and weave our lives inside of one another, don't we? And it's glorious for a season. And for all of my friends. And for all the experiences that we've had. Can I encourage you not to compare the externals and instead move forward and say, perhaps it is that God uses ice cream scoops and He's got something new in store for us. Church, there's a couple of things that I'm going to ask you to hold on to. The first is that you understand, that you grasp, that you hold on to this idea that everyone is eligible. And the second is that you would learn to love those whose exterior is different than you anticipate. That when there are changes and when there is differences, that you as a Christian, as one who is different than all the other disciples, that you too will seek to love the other. That you will live in great gratitude and say, thank you God. Thank you God for using an ice cream scoop instead of a cookie cutter. Thank you God for hand dipping instead of machine pouring. Thank you God for being a little more Baskin-Robbins than Chips Ahoy. Let's pray. God, we love You and we thank You and You are good to us. And Lord, I thank You. I thank You that for the last six or seven years, you have given us the opportunity to weave our life in and out with these people. And Lord, I pray for the future of Whiting Christian Church. And I pray for all the kingdom workers that will be, that are eligible. And Lord, I pray that as You firmly establish the mold of the cross within us, that we will love the very different exteriors in all of us. Make us kingdom workers. Lord, we thank You. We are grateful that You're an ice cream scoop kind of God. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.